All right, Lance, Lance Eaton, it's great to see you. I think there's a lot of nuggets and wisdom uh, to be to be gained from getting together today. This is, I mean, this this topic is so deep on so many different levels, but from everyone's perspective, you know, things might look a little different and some things might be a little more important to some than others. You have a really unique perspective. Um, before we, you know, kind of get into your thoughts on, on culture and kind of pinpointing, you know, some passionate areas for you, can you just give a little background of, of yourself, what you're passionate about and where you've been? Sure. Uh, thank you for, for having me here and, and thank you for, for that question. So I think for me, I come from thinking about culture or, or my experiences as like often feeling both in and outside of culture uh, or, or in and outside of certain cultures. So, you know, as a, as somebody who grew up in middle-class America, you know, par um, actually it was an interesting role reversal of my, my mother was the breadwinner my father was the caretaker. Um, learning about the differences in that and, and how that, you know, created different reactions in people from what was traditional, uh, coupled with, just throughout my experience being in situations where I was outsider. So uh, my father wanted us to play sports. I did not, at least at that point, have much interest in sports. And so being around people that were really in it and part of it, but also being somebody that like did not want to be there and didn't just didn't function or have the same interests about what we were doing. Like I played football for six years and I can still say like I've never watched a game um even the ones i was at or playing in uh so i think for me like that that sits heavy with me other life experiences you know for a while uh right out of college i was i was working at a place where i worked with a lot of christian fundamentalists and um at the time i had my you know where i was spiritually was around agnostic i definitely am not christian fundamentalist nor have i ever been and so very very different space and in, in the impact of that of like when you have conversations with people around you um you know what you feel is is uh what they call the overton window right what is the agreeable or the acceptable range of things to talk about and i knew and it was evident in that space like the people around me's overton window their culture of what was appropriate or not appropriate or or you know ways of talking was fundamentally different from mine. Um, I knew, like, I, I could feel, I, I sometimes would joke, like, you could always feel the wrath of God's conversation, like, right here. Um, you know, and that that's overdoing it, but they, they, that was clearly an aspect there. And so I think some of these experiences of both finding myself um, on some levels, like, like it's easy to look into culture at, at large and see representations of myself. Like it's really easy to see um, a variety of demographics of my that that reflect me. But there were, I think, I, I in hindsight, although they were challenging at times, had experiences that also had me not at the center of experience, you know, at the center of spaces, and that's carried with me a lot um, just throughout my different experiences. So I, I worked as a it was a website editor at, at this company. Uh, I moved into working in residential programs with troubled adolescents, and that gave me another lens about, again, thinking of my own experience as adolescents and the, the challenges many of us face there of always feeling outside until we, until we don't. Um, 
and then you know I, it, I, without going into it too too much like I kind of moved from there into academia teaching as a part-time instructor at many different institutions and again there as an as an outsider as somebody who was teaching a lot and I mean in about five or six years I taught over 80 courses and wow. if you're like if you're a full-time like if you're a full-time tenure track professor you're teaching maybe eight courses a year and I'm like I was doing that a semester I mean like so and being there and being an outsider in that space too because you know while higher ed exists entirely dependent on adjuncts um they are like they are it's often been framed as like they're the migrant workers of higher ed in the sense that they do really move around their seasonal work there's no commitment from or there's very little commitment so a lot of these things shaped me in thinking about what culture is work culture is uh the idea that like in many of these situations like where my life and the the cultures that i'm embedded in there ended and where work culture began like it was hard to really feel those lines were definitive um or even clear and so like it, it was very hard not for me to feel you know in in multiple cultures at work in any space that i was um and i think that's an interesting thing because you know i'll give an example of of what i mean by this like sure. be, because i was teaching because i worked part-time at all these places i didn't have health insurance so in order to have health insurance i was continuing to work overnight at a residential program so i would be working awake overnight and then i would be teaching in the morning and i may not be teaching for a few hours so like I would have to drive somewhere, take a two hour nap to refresh and then go and teach. And like, there's no way I can easily compartmentalize that so that like I am perfectly ready and going or not feeling like the brunt of these systems and, and these different work cultures, um, along with like my need to actually sleep as a human being. Yeah, take care of yourself. Like, <laughs> right, right. But like right. the old, the only way you can take care of like it's this interesting dynamic. Like the only way I could take care of myself is by having these jobs to pay these bills. It, it, so it's this, you know, it's this really complex mix. Um, and I've thought about that a lot um, as I've moved into, I currently now have worked uh, full time in higher education more as a, advisor to faculty and uh, in different parts of organizations around how they think about learning, how they think about engagement. But I would say, if, you know, when I think about all of this, I think these are things that have been formative in just how I approach it or how I think about it in the context of learning, in the context of a team that I lead, in the context of, of how I work with, with others, or, I, or at least I hope I yeah. continually keep that in mind. Well, thanks. Well, first, thanks for sharing that, you know, some of the personal experiences and growing up and and you know first places of being a part of a group where maybe the boundaries were unwritten but you could really feel them mm. and that's interesting because it's almost like there's natural cultures there's natural cultures and then there's ones that are created and developed and it seems like there's based on your experiences personally professionally you get in these little tidbits where you go and it's and it has and it shapes you to a certain extent so you know when we like ask the question you know what does culture mean to you how would you what would you say to something mm. like that? another really really good question i think i think i might 
just step back a little and thinking about what you said as a whole and you know i think that idea of of natural cultures if i were to 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 push a little bit i might think of it as more inherited cultures and that's not necessarily the same thing as natural and, and the reason i think about it that way is you know at times throughout uh, you know throughout history and, and this i should frame this with like you know my one of my degrees is in history so i have this this framework of of looking at things through that lens is at different times decisions were made and became part of the culture right so like in the United States, we made certain decisions or people made certain decisions that had long downstream effects. Sometimes those were really good, like the idea of, of developing ourselves as our own nation and breaking away from from England. Like we can look at a couple hundred years later and say, OK, we think this was a good idea. We're pretty sure we're pretty sure like it. But that like that was a set of decisions people made. And, and from that, we created the the United States culture. But there's also other decisions that were made that also had these more pernicious long-term effects about how we view and think about and, and just what feels natural. Um, and so a good example of that is like when decisions were made within you know the colonies of who gets to be an indentured servant and who gets to be a slave and, and how that had you know this the snowball effect. Um, to today, you know, we see some of the consequences in that of how, uh, really, of, of how we we see and engage in different people or understand or, or frame problems, um, big and small, through either individual or cultural or uh, ethnic racial lenses. And so, I think that's a piece for me is always trying to balance when I think about cultures. Is it? It's both, like. It's hard to really think about culture without thinking of it across time and those those numerous forces to kind of create what feels natural, coupled with like the experiential piece of like how we as individuals um, are capturing or experiencing the different messages, both evident and subtle, right? So there's lots of evident ways you know and we see this in how we construct our roads like we drive on the right side of the road england doesn't and right. like that's a cultural thing um and those are those are bounding decisions long ago and at the same time like where we choose to or, or like how we choose to walk on roads or drive on roads it becomes a little bit more of of our individual influences yeah. so i think I think when I look at that that idea of like what does culture mean to me, I think in, in in the individual, I think it is this strong interplay with history coupled with a like a meaning making that is both at times empowering and resistant. Um, in thinking about the the experiences that I spoke to, like when I was in those work environment that that work environment that was had a very particular culture, I was making a decision to be there. And I was also trying to like understand. Whoop, we have a we have a special guest apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, my cat has something to say. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> the pleasures of Zoom and, and pandemic. Oh, uh, no doubt. So, a <laughs> lot, little bit lost. So, this idea of uh, like the the tension between the individual and the culture. I think I, I saw it in this this experience of, of at work uh, in the, this particular work environment that 
like there i i had to think about it in this way i could completely judge everybody around me and say like this this is you know they're the ones that are wrong um I could internalize it and be like, I'm the one that's wrong. And first of all, just framing that in right and wrong was a, was a problem. Right, um, right, right. But I could also recognize, and I think this is one of the things I really appreciated, was like, I got to understand and appreciate fundamental evangelical Christians in a way that, like, I don't think in any other context I would. Um, and so... To me, I think culture is at its best when it's helping us to humanize one another and to recognize like we we have different experiences that lead us down different paths, but we can still be in a room together trying to learn and understand like like how that cultural force works on us as individuals because uh, it inevitably does. Like none yeah. of us none of us get out of get away from culture because it's involved you know it's language it's it's movement it's it's relations and all of those we we ex we absorb for years before we actually have language to even challenge or question or think about you bring up a, a couple of really interesting points lance you know one if i could you know kind of recapture and, and please correct me if i misunderstood you know this this concept of a natural culture being that it, it might not be by choice. It's something that's inherited that you grow up in, you're around and you're could be constantly reminded of it's, it's sometimes chosen, sometimes not chosen. And then there's this created culture, so to speak, where it's designed and designed with these things. You talk about how this, you know, the healthy environment where we're humanizing and building up and figuring out you know, with everyone's experiences with the natural, you know, culture, so to speak, you know, how, how does that kind of interplay? And it gets mm -hmm. to a point that you, you've, uh, and I've talked about over the years is, and recently over the past, you know, week is, you know, the concept of a healthy tension in growing culture. Mm. I was wondering if you go into that a little bit and explain, you know, what, what do you, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Sure. Thank you. Um, one other thought just in, in this, like, I almost wonder if, if again, I, I probably overthink words because I'm a nerd. Um, but like, I almost wonder if, if we're, if, if the terminology is maybe even passive culture versus active culture. So passive being kind of that, what, what kind of comes to us and is just embodied versus that, which we're actually really thinking about in, in shaping. Um, so, and actually that leads into this idea of, of tension in culture. And I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with around the tension is that which is passive. That's what, that we've just absorbed. And sometimes the, like there are pieces of culture that we want to absolutely hold on to. There's, there's parts of our legacy and, and, and what that, that we want to hold on to, but there's other parts that again, those downstream effects have effects and they're not necessarily useful. Do we need to hold on to them? Um, and I, you know, I, I'll give a great example around this is when I work with faculty, you know, one way I, I try to have a conversation is we all think of the traditional classroom, right? That is a, that is a culture, you know, the, the sage on the stage, he, and it was, had typically been he stands up and he waxes poetic about, you know, his, his pristine knowledge in the students they absorb and they take notes and it just, you know, like it's this, this perfect transfer, you know, this transference. 
Now we have questions about how much that actually really happened in the past, but let's let's pretend it's real. Uh, we we know that that is that is how we've come to understand learning in the past. But does that mean we have to stick with that, especially as we come to understand things like universal design for learning and think about things like accessibility? Uh, I, I again is this is one of those areas where I think a lot about in my own experience of I'm dyslexic, uh, but I'm dyslexic when it comes to hearing. So dyslexia is a, a language processing issue. And it is, it, so it's not just reading, it's also hearing. And if I'm not in a good audio environment, um, like I can have a lot of trouble. I'm also a good listener and that those things seem attention, but they're not like, because I have to actively constantly listen, which means I may not have to take notes in a class. I may be able to be doodling. And I did this plenty in my classes. Like it could be doodling, but I could still be absorbing. Um, and that wasn't always understood. So, so kind of, to me, there, like right there is, is the tension of like who I was as an individual and what worked for me for learning versus what was the, the Passover, the traditional, the accepted and trying to negotiate that. I lucked out and I've learned the, I've learned the language to explain and, and share that whenever I'm in the classroom and, and as a, as a student. But I think that's a lot of the things is like, how do we, 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 we address or, or shift those things because so much about an active culture is the idea that we're trying to do something and we're, which, which entails change or entails kind of pushing. And that tension is, is supposed to be there because we are rubbing things, you know, or, or tearing things apart uh, or, or pushing things together as it were. Uh, so I would just say, I think that's an important piece. And then the other part is within that, like, because we are these different people embedded in different cultures, right? So we're, uh, my framework would be we're in, any one of us are in many different cultures, right? There's the family life culture, and that's informed by lots of things. There's our work culture, there's our, our, our uh, social culture. I think doubly so, especially now that we have these digital devices where we're like we're in conversations and in yeah. digital spaces that also carry all sorts of expectations and demands and stuff like that. So, so anytime we're together, we have all of that in us, and those are pieces that are going to bubble up. Those are pieces that are going to, you know, be there when we're even when we're trying to aim for a organizational goal or for a team goal. Those things don't go away. You know, I think the pandemic is a good example where yeah, you know, we saw no doubt. just was thinking about that. I mean, what kind of what kind of hardships and intention and really bringing stuff to light it was the mm -hmm. pandemic. Yeah. I mean area I, especially. And I think particularly, you know, for, for a lot of my friends and colleagues, particularly the those who were parents. Right. And like they're at home, they're trying the ones that the ones that were lucky enough to be able to work from home. Right. The ones that didn't lose their job or didn't have to, like, be out there risking their lives and their families' lives, which is, again, all other sorts of tensions. But I'll, I'll speak to uh, this one in particular of like, how do you be a professional when your kid is screaming in the background because like their kid is stressed out because we're all stressed out. And that's like that's its own like what I appreciated about that is just the fact that it got more tension than is realized because that kid that kid is probably screaming in many different ways that the parent is aware about and nobody else is which means they've got to they come to work they're trying to do their work they're trying to be engaged in that space 
but they also know somewhere in the background their kid is screaming. Maybe it's at the, you know, at the preschool, maybe it's at school, you know, that whatever that kid is screaming about, that's a problem that that parent has to address and also be a professional. And so I think that's also what I think about in terms of those tensions and, and being aware of and validating them as, as real. Because I think sometimes we're, we're not supposed to bring our full selves to places and I don't know that that's possible, or at least for me, I don't think yeah. that's, that's possible. Yeah, this, this is definitely carryover for sure, you know? And when you mentioned that, Lance, about, you know, healthy tension and tension in general, you know, where my, my brain goes is, well, you need that for growth and for mm -hmm. any in maturity as as a culture, as, you know, a mature set of operating, ways of operating and so forth. So I know without that health, kind of healthy tension, if things are with no tension, there's really no expanding, no growing, no, you know, there's a concept about going beyond in skill development, going just beyond your skill where you're at. That mm -hmm. little bending and twisting of of practice over and over gets you better. It builds up the baseline a little bit higher. I think it's the same thing with with growing a culture in a, in a place where yeah, there's the tension of other cultures and other situations that are conflicting with one that's maybe trying to be designed in a say a workplace culture. But there's also shaping intent you know be having the tension for for growth of that mm. you know architected you know culture and that in whatever area you're in can you talk about just maybe from your experiences just the growth aspect of that healthy tension and why no tension is not good sure so it, it comes in you know the, there's several different lines of thought i think the the idea of no no tension being not good i think that that's true because if like, how do you not have people together? Uh, how do you not have people together trying to do things with with different motivations in their not be tension? Um, I find that like to me that's I don't want to say a, a big lie, but I think it's a there, there, there's a bit of um, astroturfing that's going on, or there's a bit of paving over. Like it, it to not have tension feels like I don't. That, that seems wrong. I think also the absence of tension in this context of growing is is appropriate to to highlight because like you I don't, don't mean you obviously um, the, it is hard for there to be for there to be new ideas uh, for for there to be something different in a world in where there isn't tension. And I say that because, you know, in, in for many organizations, because we're in a capitalist system, it's driven by competition. It's driven by how do we, how do we, how do we move? How do we continue to compete? How do we continue to offer products in an ever-changing environment? Um, that without those things, like, I don't want to make it sound drastic, like, oh, you're, you're lost, but there, you know, you lose a certain edge, you lose certain opportunities um, as an organization. On the individual and that, that concept of, of kind of growth and learning, I think you nailed it really well in that, that concept of really, you know, creating that, that uh, what is it, the Goldilocks effect. You want something that's, that's, that's outside their reach, but you don't want something that is like down the road, right? You don't want something that's impossible. And 
that even finding that is going to differ. And so again, there, there's more tension there of, of working with individuals and, and figuring out where exactly is their happy medium? Where exactly is something that pushes them to grow? And then one further piece of this that I think is, again, it is, is a valid thing that I've certainly seen and thought about is I have the, you know, I have the, I guess the, the piece I was going to say is, is motivation and thinking about what that looks like and that it looks like different things to different people. Because I, again, have, I, I am very lucky to be able to work at in environments that like I'm really excited about that are just by the fact that I'm there are rewarding and therefore help motivate me to want to do the best I can. But the reality is there's many people who are working for paycheck because work isn't their full culture, their full identity. Their full identity is fly fishing on the weekend, spending time with family, earning enough money so they can go on their vacations and visit different places or, or, or the like. And so you have, I put these up as like, uh, I don't want to put these up as like, you know, completely contrasting items, uh, contrasting entities. I think it's more of a continuum, but that's another tension to be working through and to be thinking about is, is what are the motivations? Like ultimately we're all there for a paycheck, but some of us have the benefit to be really engaged in it. And some of us are, we have the skills and we're there because we want the paycheck, but like, like the, there's a, there's an end to that. Uh, that, you know, they're not necessarily going to be enthusiastic or whatnot. So like realizing that might also mean to think about different, I don't want to say different reward systems, but different engagement systems, different methods of, of motivating and helping them grow in ways that are useful for the organization and hopefully have some value to that, that individual. Well, Lance, that's very, very interesting. I think, no, you may, you bring up a couple of good points and, and I want to make sure I, I capture this and kind of recap it. There's one, you know, to, to grow and have that tension requires a little bit beyond that, you know, the capability, so to speak of um, whatever whatever that development of that skill or that method of operating is so-and-so. But there needs to be some motivation to go there, to do that. And that's a, and that's definitely a discussion for uh, for an entire different segment about what it takes to motivate, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that seems to be, you know, a pretty, a pretty important aspect of building culture. Mm. You know, one thing you one thing you mentioned too is you know you talked about a continuum and just to, to kind of finish off our our awesome discussion it's it's humble, it's great this is this is the this is the good stuff <laughs> but you talk about culture as a, a moving goal you know it's forming forming it's a process and people you know need to be motivated but also it's somewhat understand people understanding the process and getting there how important is that just to, you know if you're gonna leave sum up, you know, our conversation with, you know, with that topic, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think all the, the, the thing that came to mind as I was hearing you reflect back to, uh, some of our, our priming for this, like we think of culture as just kind of a, almost as a static thing, but it's a very rich ecosystem. And within those ecosystems, okay. right? Like in yep. that ecosystem, every piece has its part to play and anything off in those pieces have these ricochet effects. And I think the thing we sometimes forget is it's an ecosystem with people and like to make this a little more like probably a little more ridiculous, those people themselves are like 
ecosystems, all the different cultures they are part of, right? So it, 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 to be a little ridiculous, it's ecosystems of ecosystems. Um, sure. And I think that is, it's incredibly challenging, but also fascinating to be thinking of it or looking at it through that lens in, in having that to better, again, kind of pulling it back to the individual, better understand like how people are there, how they're bringing that, that full system into those spaces. And I think if we can recognize that and we can validate that, like I see you as a person with this multitude, you know, with this multiplicity of, of things, um, I think we create a space that, that is more valuable to our, our community, you know, to our culture, to our, our work communities and the like. It helps to make it just not another cog in the wheel because nobody like nobody likes feeling like they are just like they are just there to feed the machine. Um, like we have, a, yeah, we yeah. all have this richness going on that that sometimes need we, in the in the pursuit of goals that we also need to do as as work and work cultures. We sometimes stumble over recognizing that that value of the inherent the inherent value of that individual. Yeah, no doubt. hundred percent agree. It, you know, and it just, you know, to sum up, uh, you know, talking about the many cultures within the cultures, the own individual's personal, maybe mm. a natural culture and their experiences that makes up who they are and what they're dealing with outside of a work culture. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of many, many different a Venn diagram that has yes. 18 circles that are over overlapping and then one big circle of what the work culture is. But then the big circle could be in a, in, a, in a different circumstance, like their life culture or the community mm -hmm. culture. So there's a lot of overlapping and there's a lot in, in, in understanding that and recognizing that and, and certainly the process. Well, Lance, this has been great. Love to continue this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so awesome. much. This is, we, we touched the tip of the iceberg. Right. But, <laughs> Absolutely. But, My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. We want to sincerely thank you for listening to Creator of Culture's podcast series.